very good. We are so glad you're here today. Thank you so much. I just can't start preaching until I talk about this again. Um, unfortunately, my apologies is we ran out of boxes. We just didn't. Now, we got plenty. We just didn't have them here, but we do now, okay? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Anytime while I'm preaching, and you're going to understand that, by the way, in just a moment. Anytime while I'm preaching, come get a box. Come get, if God speaks to your heart, come get a box. And then, you'll understand in just a moment, then at the end of the service during the invitation, please come get a box. If you didn't get one, it was not there. May, and by the way, I need to tell you this. You know, if you can do like four you know, if you're one of those people that, that God's blessed a little bit financially, and you can do four, you need to do four. Because there's probably, <laughs> there's probably four witch doctors in the world who need Jesus. And you, and you just might have that, you just might have that one out there, okay? And if you can do ten, do ten, there, there's probably ten witch doctors who need Jesus Christ. So, I mean, you've got to jump on this thing. You've got to get, there is, I, I, Lottie Moon's so good, I'm a big Lottie Moon fan, but this is an opportunity. I mean, when you understand that eight to ten people are going to hear about Jesus, most likely through this box, and by the way, you know, Gene didn't mention this, but check this out now, they don't go over there and go, hey, come to the church, or come to the gathering place, or come to the tree, we're going to give you a present. Well, of course they would show up. They don't do that. They just simply invite them to a meeting. They have no idea they're getting a gift. And they come that day, and they, they have, you know, kind of a worship service, and then somewhere in that process, then they announce that they're going to get a box, and they're going to get a gift. Understanding most of them have no idea what a gift is because they never got one. I mean, do you understand? You want, you want to make a difference? I mean, this is the chance, man. This is the chance. So anyway, so if you feel led during the service, then up here now, at the end of the service, you're an invitation, and they're going to be up here for the next three, four weeks, three more weeks, okay? Every Sunday, they're going to be here. Next week, you're going to hear about this again in part of the sermon. I'll go ahead and tell you right now, part of the message is about how we can give hope this Christmas, all right? So anyway, so God bless you guys. You're a giving, giving church. I want you to reach out in a big way, a big way, and let's do Operation Christmas Child huge because it makes a huge difference. Amen? Well, here we are. Here we are, and we are... Now, this thing's crackling, David. I don't know why it is, but it is. Um, but I'll grab him. But anyway, so here we are finally after... This is the eighth week. We are finishing... Thank you, buddy. We are finishing um, Storm... Should I go ahead and do it, you think, Dave? Yeah, okay. All right. Good deal. Turn you off. And I'm turning on here now. Check, 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 check. Shut the door. Keep out the devil. Shut the door. Everything's all right. All right. Yeah, I'm in one of those moods. You'll just have to forgive me. But here we are on week number eight, and we have talked the last seven weeks, eight including this one, about the storms of life and how we are going to be better equipped for this. And this is the grand finale. This is the really big part. And, you know, I told Judy, you know, I don't really talk about the sermon titles too much, but this one will preach. This one will preach. The sermon title today is Checklist or Checkmate, colon, Managing the Dew Point. Isn't that kind of, just, well, just hang on, hang on. Checklist or Checkmate, Managing the Dew Point. Now, checklist, a checklist is a plan for success. You know, when a pilot, when a pilot gets in an airplane, okay, he goes over a pre-flight checklist. Very important because he wants to make sure everything is in place going up so he can be sure and come down. Okay? When you're at work and you're having the food inspector come in, okay, guess what? You've got a checklist, okay? Because when the, 
the food inspector comes, then you want to make sure that everything's in order so you can get your 99 or 100% and get your A+. Plus, okay? So a checklist is a plan for success. However, checkmate is a place of last resort. A place of last resort. When you're playing chess, okay, and you get to the point where the opponent says checkmate, he's saying you have no moves left. Okay? Now, the way you come to a point in your Christian walk, all right, and determine success, all right, is managing the dew point. I love that Judy threw that in so well this morning. Um, D-O, okay, the dew point. Managing the dew point. Our dew point will determine how successful we are in our Christian walk. Now, I'm a big fan uh, that's why this was so easy for me to do this series called Stormproof Lives. I'm a big fan of the Weather Channel. In fact, I'm a big fan of the weather. I get up in the morning. First thing I do is, you know, I get up in the morning, get my coffee, and you know, sit there and watch Channel 12 News uh, because they do the news about every, uh, do the weather about every four or five minutes there. And I watch it. And Lisa gets up there every every morning and talks about it. And then she goes back and talks some more and talks some more and talks some more. I really enjoy the weather. So I know a little bit about. The dew point. Now, in this case, in the case of weather, it's not D-O. In the case of weather, it's D-E-W, the dew point. And it's a big deal. It's a big point. Uh, because here in the summertime, okay, if you've got a high dew point, and a high dew point would be like 79 degrees, 78 degrees, somewhere there. That would be a really high dew point. When you've got that, okay, it means that the air is saturated with moisture. It's saturated with moisture. You've heard the phrase before, air that you can wear? Okay, that comes from the high dew point. There's so much moisture in the air, you can actually feel the moisture. Now, here's why that's really important. Not only because of, of the comfort level, but if a cold front or cool front, this happens in the spring and fall both, okay, when it comes through and it hits this, this saturated, moist air and this cold, dry air comes in, we, of course, know that you get storms. So a high dew point, okay, can result in discomfort. It can be dangerous, but can result in great power. Okay? We know it's just uncomfortable. You know, Jim Razor will tell you when he gets on there, it's going to be very uncomfortable. It's the air you can wear. It's discomfortable. But it also can be dangerous because the mixture of that air that's saturated with moisture and with a cold front produces much, much power, okay? And we see our supercell thunderstorms. In 2012, we saw the tornado. All of that was caused by a high dew point and cooler air coming in. That's what caused that great power to be released, okay? Then, interestingly enough, in the winter, okay, we have low dew points, okay? And low dew points are exact opposite. It's very, very dry air. And the lower the dew point, the colder it's going to get. You can all remember this. See, if you're nothing else in church today, I'm giving you a weather lesson. Okay? All right? So if you're in, if you're in, um, if you're in let's say, in January, and the dew point is down around, oh, 15 degrees, okay, or 15, then you can almost take it to the bank. The low that next morning is going to be about 15 degrees. A dew point of 15 equates to about 15 degrees the next morning. So here's what I want you to get. You're, you're going... Dwayne, exactly how does this tie in? It ties in hugely. It really does. Because if you take a spiritual application, and now we leave D-E-W behind and put D-O, what we want is a high dew point. 
Okay? You say, why, Dwayne, why do we want a high dew point? I thought you said it was discomfortable. Yes. Yes, it is. But when we are, as Christians, are doing for the kingdom, it's uncomfortable sometimes. It's uncomfortable. Okay? I don't know, I don't know who started this great rumor about, yeah, just trust Jesus, man. Life is easy. You never get sick and you get rich and you send your know, preachers money and they, you, you have seed money and you get all this stuff back. That's a bunch of baloney. Not biblical, okay? The truth is, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Jesus said that. So, with a high do point, a do point, the more you do, it's going to be uncomfortable. There are going to be times when you're going to get out of your comfort zone. And you know what? It's going to be dangerous. Sometimes it's dangerous physically, as some of the missionaries that we have in certain foreign countries, but it's also dangerous to you in the sense that when you have a high do point, things are going to die in your life. Sin's going to die. You know, all those things that, that, that God, are against God, those things start to die, okay? But when we have a high dew point, a lot of power is released. A lot of power is released. I'm going to tell you this morning one of the reasons you struggle in your Christian walk. And it has all about the dew point. And, of course, when we have a low dew point, a low D-O point, Hearts get frozen. Heart gets frozen. Hearts get frostbite. And it's not a good place to be. So we're going to look today, and I didn't realize this when I put the sermon together, but, but we're going to hear from Paul, okay? And then we're going to hear from James, and then we're going to hear from Jesus, okay? And we start out, first off, with a workable plan. A workable plan. I want to take just a moment and read to you this whole scripture passage that we've been looking at now for the last seven weeks. I don't think we've ever really come along and put it all together. So I just kind of want to read that. And we end up in verse number nine today. And that's, that's the workable plan is verse number nine. Here's what Paul wrote. And this happens to be from my Bible. So it's the New King James Bible, uh, Version. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. You remember about the fussing that was going on. I implore Iodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labor with me in the gospel, with Clementi also and the rest of my fellow laborers, whose names are written in the book of life. Then Paul started and said this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your kindness, your gentleness um, be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious. For nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now watch verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Last week's lesson. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, think or meditate on these things. And finally we get to verse 9 where he sums it all up together. And this is the most important part of these scriptures, I do believe. Here's what, now I'm off the sermon sheet for you, and we're back in Christian Standard Bible. Here is Philippians 4, 9. Do. He gets right to the point. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the, not the peace of God, 
the God of peace will be with you. So, so what Paul says, I've talked to you about all these different things. He said, now here's the crux of the matter. You need to do it. You need to do it. You've heard about it. You've learned about it. You've seen it in me. Now it comes time to do what you have seen and heard and learned. In fact, he says, do what you have learned. Um, Paul was a wonderful teacher, and God gave him great insight into, into who God is and, and about grace and all of that. And so, so he says, so do what you have learned. What have you received? I, I thought about this. It's so cool. You know, Paul got to talk with the apostles. He was counterparts with them. Okay, he got to talk with them. How amazing is that? So the things that the traditions that I've received from the apostles, the things you receive, what you've heard, what others have said, and what you've seen in me, what you've seen demonstrated in my life. Keep in mind, don't lose this. Keep in mind that Paul was sitting in a dank Roman prison when he wrote this stuff. So so when when you know when when the people when he says to them, you know, what you've seen in me, it's not like, hi, I am on a cruise in the Mediterranean. Hi, I'm sitting in the French Riviera. Life is good. He's sitting in a Roman prison. And he says, what you've seen, if you've seen how I've lived in these circumstances, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, he says, you know, in verse 7, I said, the peace of God will be with you. And now verse 9, he says, and the God of peace will be with you. It's huge. And it all hinges on what? Do. Not hearing. Not learning. Do. Do. Okay? J.C. Riley, Riley said this. This is really, really good. We must not think it enough. We must not think it enough to know the facts and doctrines of our faith. Now, it's important we know the Bible. It's important we know the doctrines of the Bible. It's important we have a working knowledge. But he says, we must not think it enough, enough to know the facts and doctrines of our faith unless our hearts and lives are thoroughly influenced by what we know. In other words, we've got to reach a point where we know the Bible, but our hearts and lives are deeply influenced by what we know. Just like, just like the moisture saturates the air, so what we know from the Word of God needs to saturate our lives. And when that happens, when that happens, power is released. Power is released. I'm telling you, I've done this too long. I've done it now for 37 years. 37 years. And I've seen people struggle. I've seen struggles in my life. And I honestly believe, through the preparation of this message, I've discovered why so often we struggle with these truths. And the reason is we hear and listen, but we don't allow it to saturate our lives. We don't allow it to deeply, as Rodney said here, to thoroughly influence what we know changes our lives and changes the way we think and the way we act. You know, in Galatians chapter 6, 9, I've already told you that doing is not easy. Sitting is easy. Talking is easy. It's easy not to get a box. Someone else will get a box. It's easy not to get the lottie. Someone else will get the lottie. It's easy not to serve. Someone else will serve. Easy and doing, they'll often go together. Okay? But here's what he said in Galatians 6, 9. Paul said, And let us not grow weary of doing good. Because doing good is hard. Doing good is not easy. But let us not grow weary in doing good. 
For in due season, there's another due, a D-U-E, in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. There is a harvest, okay, there's a harvest. Some of y'all have been Christians longer than me, and you're going through your life, and you go, really, you know what, Dwayne? If I were to be honest today, this really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It's just not what I thought it was going to be. And I'm telling you, we're going to learn the secret to make it what you thought it would be. So, so in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. You know, I guess you could call this the gospel according to Yoda, okay? Now, for those who don't know, if you're not Star Wars fans, let me give you a quick. Yoda was a little rubbery creature about this tall, a zillion years old and supposed to be wise and had ears bigger than mine, okay? And Luke Skywalker, the hero of the show, shows up to be taught by Yoda on how to be a Jedi warrior, okay? And so they're sitting there, you know, and, and, and Yoda asked him to do something. I don't even know what he asked him to do. But he goes, well, I'll try. I'll try. And isn't that how we kind of approach the Christian walk? Well, I'll try. I'll try, okay? Here's what Yoda said. Do or do not. There is no try, only do. Now listen, we've got to get our, off our hands and our seats, and we've got to understand something, that God has, he hasn't even called us to try, because I'll give it to you right now in case you don't get it later. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, there is no try, there's only do. There's only do. Okay? So, so he calls us, God calls us, through the power of Christ, that we are able to do. Now, in Colossians 3.17, now I've already given it to you just snippets all along. Now we're going to lay it out there right there for you. And that is, how do you do? Well, that's not, that's like, how do you do? I'm fine, thank you. How do you do? Okay? And how you do is through the power of Christ. Listen to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. And whatever you do, now keep this in mind. We sometimes think, that this is my spiritual realm. This is my realm of influence. Not me, us. Okay? So this is where we do God. Okay? And then when we get out to, to school, students, when we get out to school, when we get down to the coal mines, when we get out to the bank, wherever it happens to be, when we get there, that's the secular world. And there are different rules in the secular world. No, 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 no. Christians don't have a secular world and a spiritual world. We've only got a spiritual world. And that's why Paul says, whatever you do. In fact, then he goes on and says, you know, in word or in deed, whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, when something is done in the name of the Lord Jesus, it is done in his power and his authority. God did not call us to change the world through my power and through my authority. I have none. I have none. In fact, the Bible says, Jesus said, all authority has been granted to me. Which, by the way, means Satan has none either. If Jesus has got it all, he ain't got none. And I'll guarantee you, you ain't got none. Okay? But when he says, whatever you do, you know, word or deed, we're going to do it through the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And that changes everything. That changes everything. He goes on and says this, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever we do, in word or deed, we're doing all in the name, and the power, and in the authority. Now see, this changes everything. You've been living your life thinking, i got to do this. i got to do it. No, no, no. Jesus has got to do it through you. Amen. See, that's the whole deal. That's the whole deal. See, you're sitting there and you're financially strapped at this time of the year, or maybe every season of your life, 
And you say, I can't do a box. I'm going to challenge you. Take one home. Take that brochure and say, God, I don't know how this box is going to get filled, but I'm trusting you to do it. And just see what happens. He may use someone else. He may place funds in your name. I don't know. I don't know. But again, whatever we do, we do it in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ giving thanks to God. No matter what the circumstances are like. I mean, we've had some tragic death. You know, Friday night, a sweet mother went to heaven, you know, Friday night, Saturday morning. You know, there's difficulties. Three funerals a week or so ago. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Well, here, here's the deal. Learn to give thanks in everything. We've heard this. This is part of the teaching we've had. Um, this is a story, but it's a true story. It came from Greg Laurie, one of the guys I read for my daily devotions. He's a pastor out of California. So he said he went to visit in the hospital, and a young woman was there, Brent. And she's laying there in the hospital, and her symptoms were this. Sometimes, it appeared frequently, she could walk. Just like that. Couldn't walk. Sometimes, along with not walking, she could not speak. And not only she'd come, sometimes not walk or speak, sometimes her vision would leave her. So Pastor Lori, Greg Lori, goes to see her in the hospital. She's laying there in the bed, and after the greetings, the customary greetings as the pastor, here's what she said. Pastor Greg, I am excited to be here. And he's thinking, what? That's not what he expected to hear. I am excited to be here because I know God is here with me. And I know he's up to something. Come on now, shoot that thing. Now what happens? What happens when all of a sudden we start understanding whatever we do, whatever we do, we do in the name, through the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, giving thanks? That's what happens. All of a sudden we start seeing through the lens of God and not the lens of our circumstances. All of a sudden we start seeing through the lens of God and not how painful the situation might be, how uncertain the situation may be, how we don't know what's going to happen in the next day. All of a sudden we start seeing through the lens of God. And we're able to give thanks because we know He is with us and He's up to something. Wow. Wow. In James 4.17, this is our transition verse. We're moving now from Paul to James. I always love to think the half-brother of Jesus. I mean, how would you like to grow up with Jesus? Hi, my big brother is Jesus. So he's the half-brother of Jesus. But we transition. James gives us a transition in 4.17. And you need to hear this and you need to remember this. Okay? This whole thing's about hearing and doing. Hearing and doing. Hearing and doing. So everyone or whoever, whoever knows the right thing to do. See, for instance, I'm, I'm going to help you. It's a right thing for you to come get a box. It's a right thing for you to share what God has given you. It's the right thing to be here today in the house of God on God's day. Okay? It's the right thing. So whoever... 
So whoever knows the right thing to do but fails to do it, to him it's a sin. What? Yeah. <laughs> That'll change how you pray. Uh, well, yeah, because you sit there. Come on now. We sit there and we go, let's see. Now, what exactly? I don't, I'm not sure I sinned yesterday. Come on. You know, you say, when well, God, I know, you know, I'm supposed to part my prayer life. I'm supposed to confess my sin. Let me think about it. I didn't commit adultery. We're good on that one. I didn't watch any porn. We're good on that one. I didn't go out and get drunk because I wouldn't have a job, and, and I didn't do that one anyway. But, man, all of a sudden, if you start thinking, whoever, you know, knows to do the right thing and fails to do it, It's a sin? Uh-oh. We got something to talk about now. How many times have you, like your pastor, how many times have you, like your pastor, God speaks to your heart, do this or do that, but God, we but God, and when we but God, we don't do it, we sin. We sin. Hey, students, you need to understand that. When you go to school, when you but God, you sin. You sin. So James says, listen, we've got to do We've got to quit coming to church and not doing it. We've got to quit coming to church, hearing it, but not applying it. And here's the good part. Now, listen, I'm not going to get any more salary if all of a sudden all y'all start doing. This isn't about me. It's about us. And your joy level is going to go through the roof when you start doing the things God calls you to do because you're going to make a difference in this world and man, God is going to just pour out His blessings upon you. You're going to feel it. You're going to know it that you are a child of God doing what God's called you to do and that's when you get joyful. Amen. I'm telling you what. I'm trying to help you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm, this is one of those sermons, as I studied it, it just got into me. It got all over me and then it got into me. All right? Now, so, so we already heard there's a workable plan. You know, do what you've received and heard and learned and seen in me. That's the plan. But now, we're going to work the plan. We're going to work the plan. Okay? One thing to plant a garden, another thing to work a garden. Okay? If you want a successful garden, you've got to work it. Okay, here we go. In James 1, 22, here's what it says. Amen, brother. Amen. Come on, y'all. In James 1.22, but be doers of the word. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now how, y'all think that's clear? Yeah, it is. The half-brother Jesus says, hey, listen, be doers and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Here's what he means. Here's what he means. If you think, if you think that Doing equates, hearing equates to doing, you're deceiving yourself. If you think that somehow it's going to so, be so profitable in your life to come to church and do nothing, okay, with what you hear. If you think, you know, if you're going to read your Bible and do nothing with what you read. If, you, if you're going to um, do other acts of service, okay, but not do anything with those acts of service, okay, you're only deceiving yourself. Now watch this. Reading the Bible is not where your engagement with the Bible ends. It's where it begins. That's so good. Michael Heiser. Reading the Bible is not where your engagement with the Bible ends. It's where it begins. 
See, church, you know, we put church in there. Church is, is not where your engagement with God ends. It's where it begins. It's where it begins. You could go on. You could go on. Your salvation. Your salvation, okay, is not where your engagement with God ends. It's where it begins. It's where it begins. God saved you to do. Now, I'm going to say it about four times just in case y'all are, you know, don't listen well, okay? Doing has nothing to do with me pleasing God, appeasing God, being saved, and going to heaven. Okay? But God called us to serve. He saved us to serve. If God didn't call us to serve, if God didn't call us and save us, you know, to serve, he would have killed you and taken you to heaven. He's got something for you to do. Do. Something for you to do. Okay? Now listen. Listen to James 1.23. Because, he says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. Okay? For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. So if a person is a hearer and not a doer, he's like someone who gets up in the morning and looks in the mirror and then walks away and does nothing about what he sees. You know, you ever heard this before? You see somebody and go, dude, you look just like you got out of bed. You know why? Because they got up and looked in the mirror and said, eh, and walked away. Okay? That's what James is saying. Right? We, we, the mirror has got to motivate us to do something. The Word of God is your mirror. You know, worship is your mirror. Your quiet time is your mirror. And that mirror, come on now, come on, come on. That mirror motivates you to do something. Okay? It motivates you to do something. I told Judy, I said, now you need to write this quote down because it came from me and it's pretty stinking good. Now listen to me. If your faith earns no profit, you will go out of business. If your faith earns no profit, you will go out of business. I mean, we've had a couple of businesses here in Harrisburg close down. I'm sure there are other circumstances, but the bottom line is overhead versus profit has been a loss. And when you're at a loss in a business, you don't stay open. A profitable business. Can you imagine a business just going great guns and somebody going, well, you know what, things are going so great, I think I'll just close. That doesn't happen. But when something is not profitable, you close it down. And here's what scares me. In so many instances and lives, particularly in this world we live in today, I see people who come to church, they see no profit in it, and they close the business down. I have seen so many people come for a year, five months, eight months, three years, and all of a sudden, they're not here. You know why? They saw no profit in the business, so they closed it down. Don't think it can't happen to you. Don't think. When the crazy world we live in today, you know, we, we see people that when events happen on Sunday, who would never, they would say, God's house first. God's house first. And the world we live in today, if it's not, if apparently, if the profitability is not here, it's just a reason to walk away. For a week, for a month, week. I'm sorry, traveling teams, I don't understand. 
So parents will pull their kids out of church and their families out of church for one to two months because there's more profitability on the soccer field than there is at the house of God. There's more profitability for them at a soccer field or a baseball field than there is in the house of God. How did that happen? How did that happen? I'm going to tell you how it happened. We sit here and we hear messages. It may be a good message. You might go, boy, Dwayne preached a good one. Brent preached a good one. Dave preached a good one. The worship was awesome today. But we do nothing with the truth. We don't do. We don't do. And the profitability is not... The profitability is not in the hearing. The profitability is in the doing. And so many of us have struggled through our Christian walk because we have no profitability in our Christian walk. And the profitability comes from application. The profitability comes from doing it. And I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what, well, I'll just bring a sports illustration in. When I was in Little League, and I uh, wasn't getting enough playing time. Profitability. It wasn't profitable for me. I would show up for practice, you know, and warm up and get the balls into you and do all that stuff. But I didn't get play. So you know what I did? I quit. I quit. And you know what happened? The team won the championship. Oh, the coach was nice and brought by a trophy for me. But I knew it wasn't mine. Because I quit. I quit. See, I didn't understand the profitability was on the team and the profitability, if it meant no, no at-bats during a game, I at least was there for practice. I was doing something. My brothers and sisters, I pray you will hear this. Listen, listen, listen. The profitability is in doing, the profitability is in application. Do what you've heard. From the Apostle Paul. This series of storm shelter. You know, I can see now, a tornado comes or, or a hurricane comes and tears the house down. Tears the house down. And the, the first responders come and you're telling them, you know, I had a plan. I had a plan. I had a plan. I just didn't do it. Do it. Do it. If anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Now listen to the contrast, the next verse. But the one who looks intently, the one who meditates and studies, the one who meditates and studies into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres, who does and keeps on doing, who does and keeps on doing, is and is not a forgetful hearer, does not have amnesia, spiritual amnesia, okay? But a doer who works. I like that. A doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. Can I just throw something out to you? If you're here today and your Christianity is just a little bit dry, you come to church, and I'm glad you do, and boy, boy, are we glad that you do. You give, but it's just kind of like dry. Can I challenge you to do something? Crank up the do factor. Saturate your life with the doing 
of the Word of God. And just see what happens. Just see what happens. See if, what, what were the words that James used? This person will be blessed. This person will be happy in what he does. As your pastor, well, first, please understand, I'm in the boat with you. Okay? But as your pastor, I want you to have joy. I want you, you know, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a special church. Just in case you don't know this, you're in a special church. You know what's special about this church? You don't have to look too far for an opportunity to serve. Oh, they, but Dwayne, they ain't asked me to be a deacon. I really want to be a deacon anyway. But you can serve at Judgment House. We need counselors, actors, construction crews, Operation Christmas Child. You, you can impact 8 to 10 people for about $17. Operation Christmas Child. You can work in the collection center the week of thanks, or for Thanksgiving. You can work. There's back to school. I mean, there's just multiple opportunities. You, you can keep the nursery so young parents can come in here and hear the Word of God. You're in a special church. We're going to have Lottie Moon here in just a few weeks. And you're going to have a chance to raise money for missions around the world. Make a difference in this world. You're in a special church. Multiple opportunities for you to do something. To do something. A doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Just try it. If I'm wrong, then you know, just, well, it didn't work. Try it. Crank up the do factor and see what happens. Now, last we get to Jesus. And Jesus, really, again, talking about doing, he really lays something out for us I think we need to hear. It's over in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He says, not everyone, this is Jesus now, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter to the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So, so if, if, again, Jesus is saying, if your relationship with him is all about words, okay, here's what he says. Not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. And again, this does not, don't you dare say, doing saves, doing saves, doing saves. Doing does not save. Okay? But here's the deal. He says an, an affidavit, a, a tattoo on your arm that you belong to Jesus is the doing factor. Now, everyone who says the Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. Um, I, I wrote this, you know, while doing cannot save you. Can I hear an amen? Doing cannot save you. It is a seal of authenticity on your birth certificate. It's a seal of authenticity on your birth certificate. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what he's saying. He goes on and says, it gets worse. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, um, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles? And you're going, wait a minute, wait, that sounds like doing to me. Yeah, but see, there's not only, you know, there's more than words and there's more than doing. It's doing from the heart. If I stand up here and preach every week, and it's all about Dwayne. I pray that's not the case. But it's all about me. There's no reward in that. There's no joy in that. So, so we can do a lot of things, but if it's not for the right cause, they're empty. He goes on and says this. Then I will announce to them, verse 23, I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Wow. Warren Wiersbe said this. 
this I thought was really good. It is not our profession of faith that guarantees that we are saved. It is not our profession of faith that guarantees that we are saved. It's, it's not a date that you have in history that guarantees that you're saved. I mean, uh, Vicky said something funny in the office. I mean, I have it on my calendar. <laughs> October 26th, my spiritual birthday. It's on my calendar, you know? And, and, and he said, I don't remember the day I was saved, but I sure know yours. <laughs> but, see, it's okay if you don't remember your day. It's important you had it. It's, it's, it's okay. See, in Africa, they don't know their birthday. They just know they have one. So it's not important you remember the date, but it's important that you have one. Come on, amen? Amen? It's important you have one. I have to remember my day. Okay? But that date in history is not what guarantees that I'm saved. That's what Wiersbe says. It is our progression, not our profession, our progression in the faith that gives us that assurance. It's not just a date in history. It's the progression of Jesus Christ. Well, the big word is sanctification. It's the sanctification working out in your life. It's huge. It's huge. He goes on and says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, this is Jesus, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Appreciate those lines from that song, David. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded the house. Everything that hell could throw at that man, it threw. Everything that life could throw at that man, it threw. It pounded the house. But look, yet it didn't collapse. Why? Because its foundation was on the rock. So Jesus says, if we hear and do, then that's a life that's built on the rock. Okay, well, he doesn't stop there. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them, who doesn't do, okay, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And guess what happens? Well, the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house, and it collapsed. In fact, it says it collapsed with a great crash. All that hell could throw at that life, all that life could throw at that life, and it collapsed. What a huge difference. Do you think maybe, do you think maybe that doing is really important? I mean, wow. And I think it is. And here's the deal. I mean, here's the deal. The kingdom gets advanced. The kingdom gets advanced. Yeah. That's big. But we get joy. And when those storms come, when hell throws everything it can at you, you're going to stand firm. Because your life is built on the rock. The rock. It's huge. It's big. So I want to challenge, um, if you're older than me, I want to challenge you today. Let this be your dew point. Let, let November the 3rd, 2019, be the day that you said, I'm going to do club. 
I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to love. I'm going to share. I'm going to do club. I'm going to do the application club. If you're younger than me, you find yourself in that 40, 50 range. I want to challenge you. Let this be your do point. Today, let this be your do point. Let this be the day when you understand that, one, the kingdom will be advanced through your service. But you're going to be much more fulfilled as a Christian. Your joy level is going to go up. And if you're one of the younger parents here who have kids, and boy, I can't imagine the challenges of being a parenting um, in these days we live in. But let me encourage you to let this be your due point. You know, make sure that you see profitability in the Bible, in the house of God, the Word of God. Make sure you see profitability in that so you won't go out of business. It's possible. It's possible. And like I said, you know, they say, we'll let you sleep on our mattress for 60 days. If you don't like it, bring it back. Well, try these principles. Try these truths. Try these promises. If they don't work for you, I'll give you your money back. I'm, guys, listen. I love you guys so much. I want you to have joy. I, I walk. We walked together a long way, haven't we, Grant? And old Dave's sneaking up on us. He's been here forever, too. But we walked a long way together. We really have. Love you. And as we... You know, as we progress these days, I want 2020 coming up. It's just an infant because of 2020. You know, Ben, that should be your favorite year, Ben, 2020. You know, I want us to do more in 2020 than we ever thought possible. But it's going to take everyone having the due point. Let's bow our heads in prayer. So if you're here today, and maybe... Maybe God spoke to you in a way that said something like this. You sought and sought and sought for the real meaning of life. And you heard about it today. You don't earn it. You don't get it by doing. But you meet Jesus Christ and have the opportunity to serve Him. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So today, Brother Brent's going to be standing down front. And we, the, the thing we would like to do is introduce you to our friend Jesus Christ. The number one thing, that would be like so incredible. So if we can answer your questions about Jesus and tell you how you can come to know him personally, we want to do that. And I want each one of you to be challenged today that know Jesus Christ to at least analyze what you've heard today. Weigh what you've heard and see if it's worth applying to your life. And maybe today you'll have a due point. Maybe today you'll have a due point. I'm going to go all the way back where I started. If you didn't get a chance to get a box, or maybe you know what, you say, you know what, I need to do something. Today is a great day to come get a box. And do something. Like I said earlier, there just might be a witch doctor who needs to know Jesus. And God just might use your box to reach.
that child, that mom, that dad. So during the invitation time, feel free to come and get among us. Now, God, thank you for the privilege of sharing today. It's challenging, God. It's challenging. I love that. I love that. Father, I pray that we will see great profitability in you. We'll see great profitability in serving you. We'll see great profitability in knowing you. Father, may we never go out of business on you. I want to pray, Father, that this time the decision will be yours, that your Holy Spirit will speak to hearts as you see fit. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.